2: You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it.
0: Hey, what's happening? Welcome into another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. I'm Derek Johnson. With me is Nick Springer. Who? We are brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery on today's show, and we have a bit of a shortened show. We're out at 5.30 today because of KU Eastern Illinois pregame coverage, which is going to take over at 5.30 and then uh, tip off at 7 right here on KLWN and 105.9 KISS. We got Matt Tate joining the show at 3.40. We got Jill Dorsey-Hall talking some KU volleyball NCAA tournament with us at 4.40. Bill Self Audio, KU Football Bowl Game Talk, uh, KU Football Heroes and Villains, Playing more KU basketball, and that's where we're going to start with the show, because KU is back from Maui, or back from Honolulu, Maui Invitational, and playing Eastern Illinois tonight, and uh, the normal question we have before a lot of these games, how important is this game tonight? Do we just skip that? Well, I, mean, I guess I mean, you could say, how important is this game? If you lose this game, that would be very bad. Well, I think this, overall, it's
3: not an important game, but for- I think for some individual players, this could be an important game, okay. considering it's your last opportunity to get yourself confident before you take on
0: UConn, certainly. I think that's a good way of putting it, and also that it's I mean, continued it. opportunity for, like, you know, can Jamari McDowell, can exactly. he follow up what he did last game? Can exactly. some of these guys uh, start to get more of a so, role off the bench? Overarchingly, it's, it's not important, because
3: I think KU okay, could win this game with one arm tied behind their backs. But – for individual players, I think there's definitely significance to a game like this because, I mean, we touched on it. Listen, KU's non-conference schedule is not, I mean, you know, there's no cupcakes really. Not very many cupcakes left on it. I mean, after this game, you got Yale, I think, and that's it basically. Oh, and UMKC, or Kansas City. Uh, That's kind of it. And, uh, you know, beyond that, you've got Indiana, Missouri. Now, I'm not saying, you know, teams like Indiana, and Missouri are top elite teams, but certainly they Yale are. Yale is ranked higher than Missouri. But certainly, they are that? power five teams. That it's going to be Yale is almost win those ranked games. as high
0: as Indiana. How about that? It's <laughs> you've, good, been, man. you've been all over Yale I'm tell- because you keep <laughs> saying that Yale is in the same ilk as like <laughs> UMKC, and they're not. Yale is ranked 85th on Ken Palm. UMKC is 303. I mean, i have
3: not—I've never met a bigger Yale basketball. They're fan They're good. Than you. So, anyways, but the point being that there are not going to be very many games that are tune-up games, so to speak, or games where. Some of these guys are going to have an opportunity to get extended minutes uh, to, to sort of build their confidence. And to your point, a guy like Jamari McDowell or a guy like Nick Timberlake or even someone like Johnny Furphy who has a chance to, you know, for a confidence builder, basically, you don't have very many more of those games left on your schedule. Okay. So I think this is an important game for some of those individuals to have that opportunity to get out there and, and try to build some confidence and try to get more comfortable and get their feet under them a little bit more. You know, even a guy like Marco Jackson who I think has come out the gates a lot slower than maybe people hoped or anticipated for. This is an opportunity, another game for him to maybe kind of find his rhythm and get things going. So it's definitely an important game, I think, for some individuals to to help to help uh kind of, you know, stack those building blocks together of, of getting to where they want to be. But and, and also, again, this is their last opportunity to play before UConn. So I think there are some individuals on this team that probably this game is going to be pretty important for them.
0: I think that's probably the the most appealing part of this game because, in theory, you should rock this team. As far as the scouting report on Eastern Illinois, uh, they rank 344th on Ken Palm right now. Hey, how many teams
3: are there in Ken Palm in total?
0: I'm glad you asked because, out of comparison, there are 362 teams. <laughs> and among those 362, Eastern Illinois, they're 3-4 and four on the season. But of the three wins, two of them are against Division II schools. Their one win against a division 1 school is against Coppin State who is 361st <laughs> of the 362 teams and they won in a barn burner who could forget the Saturday November 18th game in which they won 48 to 46. Uh yeah man I uh I do not have high expectations for a super intriguing game tonight outside of some of those I guess, takeaways that you could possibly have about some of the individual players. Yeah, Eastern Illinois right now is ranked 354th on offense on Ken Palm. They're ranked 298th on defense. And they're not a high-tempo team either. They're 321st in adjusted tempo. So you could get a Kansas blowout that is also slightly a slow game. That doesn't yeah. sound super fun, right? So it's, it's not even like the North Carolina Central game where it's like, wow, look at this. They're scoring, and they're doing this, and they scored 99 points. It could be like Kansas blows them out 75-40. to 40, Well, think you know? about
3: it. If you play the game 30 seconds at a time on
0: offense, that means you can't lose by that much. I
3: guess. Hopefully. I don't know.
0: I, I mean, they still lost by uh, 28 lost by, points to Illinois. Yeah. They lost by 24 points to Loyola Chicago. They did only lose by 8 to Illinois State and by 12 to uh, Miami of Ohio. So, I guess credit there. There you go. Uh, by the way, their next game, like, they played Monmouth, Illinois. That's uh, D2 school. Eureka. Eureka. That's a so, am I reading this
3: right? Their next game is, is St. St. Louis, Louis Pharmacy.
0: pharmacy. <laughs> what is this schedule? They still have to play Blackburn. Like, these are not Division I school. How is this allowed? What is what? up with this? Anyway. <laughs> they're playing the Pharmacy? Dude, unbelievable. Imagine, imagine, like, the NCAA Tournament Committee is, like, looking at seedings, and they're like, you know, well, what's your best wins? Like, well, we beat St. Louis Pharmacy by 50 points. Anyway, um. Yeah, the, this is projected to be – Ken Palm has it as a 33-point game. I saw the opening line on, like, DraftKings was so, thirty-eight and a half. Well, also,
3: I've never seen this on – I mean, I don't look super closely at all the different games on Ken Palm, but uh, on their, on their like, win prediction, it says that they have a 0.1% <laughs> yes. chance to win the game. Which is never low as low as it will register
0: because it won't give anybody a zero or I, – I guess it, they'd give you 100 if you're playing a D2 school. Yeah, I've – well, I've never even seen 0.1. Yeah. I mean that's what they have. That's crazy. Uh but yeah, man, they they don't like there's nothing really that super sticks out here from from what they do offensively. So they're three hundred fifty second in effective field goal percentage, they're two hundred sixty seventh in turnover rate, so they turn the ball over. They don't get to the foul line, they're bottom sixteen in the country and in, in getting fouled. Um they are shooting two point shots at thirty eight point five percent. They're shooting two-point shots at 38.5%. That is incredibly low. By comparison, KU's shooting better from three right now. Yes, than they are shooting from two. They get their shots blocked a lot. They get the ball stolen a lot. They're an okay three-point shooting team, 31.6%, which is 210th in the country, so it's like below average. But they're also 347th in the amount of threes they take. So they don't take a lot of threes, and they make them at a below average rate. <laughs> they don't shoot twos. They don't assist on their shots. They're 323rd in assist to field goal rate. Um, defensively, they are 325th in two-point rate defense, which, guess what? Kansas has been elite at two-point offense. So that's not a mix, great mix for them. They've been okay at blocking shots. They've been okay at like taking charges. Really, the the, the thing that they're best at, they're, they're good at... Uh, good is relative. They're 145th in the country in free throw percentage, they're 145th in offensive rebound rate, 134th in defensive rebound rate. So, they're a fine rebounding team, a fine free throw shooting team. Outside of that, I mean, you're you should be the better team in like every single area except for maybe free throw shooting because that's been an issue. Yeah, don't even
3: get me started on the free throw shooting. Yeah. Again. I mean, that <laughs> that makes my that makes my, my blood pressure rise just uh just thinking about it. But uh yeah, no, this is not a great team and and to your point, Kansas should easily dominate in the game. Uh, you look at the size they have, because that's that's kind of the one thing that I always look for when Ku when you're playing a team that's uh, of a lower level is, do they even have anybody that can physically match up with you? The answer is not really. They got some six eight guys. They have they have they actually they have
0: one six ten center plays
3: about seventeen minutes a game. Yeah, they actually do have quite a bit of depth of like kind of wing types. So they have a lot of six seven six eight type players. So, uh, you know, maybe if they want to throw size at the wing position. Sure, maybe they they can match up
0: okay with Kevin McCuller and K.J. Adams. Yeah,
3: yeah. Which, again, K.J. Adams, he's going to be the better athlete in any matchup, I feel like. That's the other thing. Like, KU's, even if they're
0: similar size, KU's players will just be better. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah,
3: there's really not much to to be too excited about for Eastern Illinois. This is the game where you, you come in, you get beat up, and then you take your check, and you go home.
0: I wonder what they're getting paid for this.
3: That's, that's what that's what that's what this game is. Take your check and you go home. This is not Appalachian State, Michigan in football. This is not
0: uh I certainly think so. <laughs> now, obviously there is the the possibility in a game like this that that Kansas could because we saw it last week against Shamanod, right? Chaminade, kind of middle of the pack. They did kind of hang around. They you let him hang around a bit. You ended up winning by twenty seven. Certainly you would have thought it would have been by more than that. Certainly the Vegas line thought it was gonna be more than that.
3: Yeah, we were both way off on yeah. that. Yeah.
0: Um and you know, it is a look ahead game. You're
3: playing Yukon on Friday. UConn Friday. Friday and yeah. it
0: comes off of a much higher energy game, I guess, with the Tennessee game. Right. So yeah. it's, it's kind of that the middle between where it's like, eh, how how up are you gonna get for this? Now we saw last year there was a game like this. I think it was before It was the uh, oh god. Before they played the battle for Atlantis. It was Southern Utah. Southern Utah or was it Utah Battle? No, it was Southern Utah. Are you sure? Yes. Why can you never remember this? I don't know. Dude, I
3: don't know, man. Southern
0: Utah, Utah Valley, same thing. No. Uh, Southern Utah... And what, that was a four-point win for KU? Something like that, but it was a one-possession game with like under a minute to go, and, and KU needed to kind of bail themselves out. Now, that Southern Utah team could shoot threes well from the outside, and they kind of out-hustled you, and they did at least have some decent players. Well, Didn't didn't, didn't Southern Utah make the tournament? No. Oh. I don't believe so. Right? I don't know. Did they? But they, that team was better. So, Southern Utah... Yeah, I don't think they made the NCAA tournament. They did make... Were they in, like, the NIT or something? Yeah, I don't know if they made the NIT or what they made. I don't think it's the NIT. It must be the CBI or whatever, the one of the other ones. Uh, they actually went 2-1. and one. They lost in double overtime to Eastern Kentucky to lose this season. Wow. No, Southern Utah finished last year ranked 111th yeah. on Ken Palm. That was, it was a six-point win, by the way, for KU in that game. So the thing is, like, if KU has a Southern Utah type of performance, instead of winning by four, you win by 20 in this one, Fifteen. Could be, you know, could be. So I, I don't even want to get into like the, oh, what is, what is Eastern Illinois like, you know, do well, that's going to challenge Kansas. The most. I just, well, what do you want to see from Kansas tonight? Well, this is a game where I always say, well, let's see 100 tickets
3: and try. I don't even care if he tries to be honest. <laughs> I don't care. Uh, I do want to see them make free throws mm-hmm. if they get to the line. I mean, r- listen. You could be playing the number one team or the number three sixty-two team. Free throws are the same no matter what, so make them. So free throws, number one, that's the biggest thing. And then I would like to see, I would like to see more of DeWan Harris not turning the ball over and running the offense. Which in this case, he should be able to do that pretty easily. Uh, I kind of mentioned this yesterday. You know, with one of the games, the Marquette game, uh, in the Maui Invitational, that was I hope just an anomaly, but a really, really rough game for him specifically as well uh that really hurt Kansas because on offense if Dewan harris is having a game where he's can't command the floor and is turning it over it that really really interrupts a lot of what the offense tries to do because a lot of it so much of it runs through it runs through him you know you i mean you can run on the floor and throw it to hunter dickinson every single possession but you need Dewan harris to be active and being able to 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 control the offense as well so i would like to see that and then kind of what we alluded to with the importance of this game Give me, give me Jamar McDowell. Give me all of Jamar McDowell. As many minutes as he, as as you want to give it to him, it's not enough. Give him what more. What
0: would you set the over under of what you think he'll play tonight for minutes? McDowell? Yeah.
3: So he played, he played what twenty seven against yeah. Tennessee. Now we heard from Bill Self, Ku was they had some guys that were like sick. Malak was some, hurt. McCullough yeah, was injured, in, uh, injured and or, sick. I'm sorry, sick. Uh, <laughs> and probably injured too. Yeah. Who else was sick? Somebody uh, else was sick. Yeah. Yeah. So, and plus it was a third game of three days. So right. already on top of that. But, I mean, I'd like to see him play at least 25 minutes. Well, that's think. what you'd like
0: to see him play. What do you think he will play?
3: Probably in the 20 to 25 range, okay. I would think. I mean, if KU's up big, that's what I'd like to see. And I'd like to see Furphy play the same amount, just as much.
0: And Now, if you're, with, if you're giving both those guys 25 minutes, it kind of implies that has Nick what? Timberlake been buried for you? Nick Timberlake... No, because I think he should play a lot, too, in this game. I mean, you can only play... You only have so many minutes
3: to go around. Not if you only play Hunter Dickinson 20 minutes, and you only play K.J. Adams 20 minutes, and you only play DeWan Harris not that
0: many minutes. So, counter to that, how much good like, does it do them, though? To, just get up 30 Wait, to on. 5, and then play the rest of those guys. How, good, how much good does it... Because, realistically... The the five through nine is is less about how are you playing and it's more about how you playing in connection with these other players. So don't you almost have to play your normal players thirty minutes so that you can test different lineups with the different guys? I I mean I I I guess, but I, I don't know. I I I don't want
3: to see Hunter tickets in more than twenty ish twenty five minutes. I don't. Okay. There's no reason for him to play that much. I mean seriously, get up get up ready forty for cleaning, to ten. Maybe. Get up 40 to 10 and then start learning Klingon so you can talk to Klingon when you play him. So you can talk trash to him. Start watching Star Trek. You think that will do it? Yes. Dude, imagine if you just come out and start speaking Klingon to him, his 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 brain would be in a blender. He'd have no if he chance. He speaks it. He probably does. And then that makes him better. No, because you, it, he would not expect you to talk trash to him like that.
0: <laughs> so, so what, doesn't that make sense? Stupid. I guess, in a, in a weird roundabout way. <laughs> no, what I want to see tonight, I want to see the turnover numbers drop down. Uh, Dewan's turnover numbers are, are higher than they were last season, yeah. so you want to see that start getting down a little bit. Kevin had 13 turnovers the last two games combined. You'd like to see that number down. Now, again, he was playing through you know sickness and, and obviously playing good defensive teams yeah. and – uh, I mean, with guys like on short DeJuan rest. Harris and Kevin McCuller, you expect them to be sure-handed with the
3: ball and not turning it over. You do, so you hope that what was occurring over the, the trip to Maui or the trip yeah. to Honolulu for Maui is, is an aberration.
0: Start doing it in this one. Get back to hitting some threes. I'm not even saying they got to get to what they were the first two games where you're shooting you know, 50% from three. Go 7 of 20, you know? Go 7 of 21. <laughs> be fine there, right? At least start hitting some threes a little bit more than they maybe have. Like you said, the free throws is the big thing because all of those are kind of just like, just do. Yeah, them it doesn't matter who you're skill. playing. Yeah, it's free throws. Right. So those are the ones I I would like to see Kansas start to be a more dominant rebounding team. And against the the one thing that they do kind of okay is rebounding. This could be like practicing for that, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, like that's the one thing they do decent, and that's been something that's been actually lacking for Kansas so far, at least offensive. Rate. Like, when you talk about them basically playing two centers with K.J. Adams and Hunter Dickinson, I know K.J. is a wing, but theoretically you have two big men in there. 69th defensively in defensive rebound rate, that's, that's good, that's solid. 276th in offensive rebound rate, theoretically, if you're playing a lineup that you know, struggles shooting the ball, spacing the ball. You have to make up for it in other ways. One of those ways, get extra possessions. And you're turning the ball over and you're not getting extra – so you're you're giving up possessions and you're not getting them back. You limit your possessions well, and, and you take away how dominant you are at two-point shooting. And you may look at the box score and see Hunter Dickinson, 23 rebounds, and think, oh, KU's a
3: great rebounding team. Hunter Dickinson's got 23 oh, sure. rebounds. <laughs> well, he, he specifically has been good, but it hasn't quite been there for some of the other guys, right? Specifically KJ Adams, which – Remember, we had this con- we have had this conversation multiple times about last season. KJ's rebounding numbers weren't that good, and then Bill Self came out and was like, "Well, it's because he's—he's g- he's good rebounder, but he's just boxing out bigger guys. He's not getting a lot of rebounds." Well, guess what? He hasn't been doing this season, getting a lot of rebounds. So, what is that?
0: I, I don't know. I don't right. know if you want to read too much into that, but what does that tell you? Well, I thought at the very least it would unlock him to be a bigger piece on the offensive glass. That's that's what you would. Yes, that's what you would think. And KU has been a much worse offensive rebounder. You think it would unlock
3: him to be a a better rebounder across the board, right? Because now you have an actual center boxing out the other team's actual center, and you would think KJ Adams just comes flying in and grabs rebounds. Yeah,
0: that hasn't happened. So that that's kind of what I'm watching for tonight. Uh, I'm not going to ask the question of "KU wins if," but I will ask it this way, and and we'll get into our game picks officially later. But KU covers the gigantic 38 and point spread if what? Hmm. I mean, I think if they just
3: this is the classic case of a game where like if KU just plays how they play, it doesn't do anything stupid. They're gonna they're gonna win by a lot. They're gonna cover probably.
0: I'll say if the turnover numbers are 12 or less, they cover. 10 so, or less, they cover.
3: How many turnovers do they have against Tennessee? Or
0: if they just hit double-digit threes, they cover. Yeah. That's One good. of those two.
3: Yeah, so against Marquette, they had 19 turnovers? Something like that. And against Tennessee, I think it was a little lower, but mm-hmm. still. Yeah. I mean, I think if you, can, if you can average 12 or 13 turnovers or less per game, that's pretty good. So and if it gets to a vastly inferior opponent you'd like to see that i'll say i think KU covers also if they're just if they're sharp early if they if they you know i mean think about the nc central game where it was what 59 to 18 or whatever if you just come out early and you're
0: just sharp and like i said it's it's 30 to 10 40 to 15 or whatever then i think i think
3: you're you're fine
0: He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. Matt Tate's going to join us in about 15 minutes. From right now, you're listening to Rock Shock Sports Talk. This is KLWN, KLWN.com, the KLWN app. Depend on it. Welcome back into Rock Shock Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We are out early today, 5:30 for pregame coverage of Kansas against Eastern Illinois. Joined now by Matt Tate of R1S1Sports.com. Before we get into some of the basketball, and, and I want to talk a little volleyball here, uh, KU football finishes out the season 8-4, and four, win big at Cincinnati. Matt, what what did over the weekend Saturday's performance tell you about this program, about this team, uh, for what they did in, in capping off the year coming off that K-State loss?
1: Yeah, man. I, you know, I think that that was as good as they've looked. I think, um, I, I think part of it is maybe Cincinnati. So you have to take that into account. Um, Cincinnati's not the toughest team they've played, but it was on the road as you just mentioned. It was, it was after a couple of really tough, you know, disheartening, gut wrenching home losses that that derailed your season a little bit in terms of the biggest goals that they had. And, and so, for them to respond um, night game on the road, Thanksgiving week, all that stuff, you know, for, for for them to respond and look as good as they did, I thought was really impressive. Um, but I think it started at the beginning of the week. I remember talking to, to Lance Leipold on Monday of that week and, you know, asking him, how, how do you get these guys motivated for this game? How do you make sure they, they, they stay there. And, and he, you know, he kind of cocked his head and scoffed a little bit and said, let me give you a list of about 70 reasons that we've got something to play for. And then he went on and listed all of them. So, you know, it, it started there it, and, and, and it maybe didn't have to, like he may not have even needed to tell these guys that, that, that list. Um, I think this is a self-motivated group. I think this is a team that, you know, even if they had been 11 and 0 going into that game, they would have had a chip on their shoulder of, of some magnitude whether that's people don't believe in us people think we're a fraud people don't think we're any good you know whatever it is they've done a great job really the last two years of tapping into that mentality and and just carrying that with them um enjoying the success they have enjoying the wins they get enjoying the production and all those things but also remembering and reminding themselves like you know there's still a lot of people that don't think we're any good there's still a lot of people that don't think we're for real and using that to, to kind of fuel them. And, and that's, you know, that's very evident in in looking at the way they finished the season and looking at the way the season went as a whole. I mean, eight and four, I'm sure you've touched on this, but that's just the the third time in the big 12 era that they've won eight games. Um, You know, I, I don't, I don't care who you are for who your allegiance is that's significant that's a big deal and uh, they're treating it as such and i think they're really proud of that accomplishment i do think they're they're bombed because they're you know this close right to to 10 and 2 and and possibly even this close to 11 and 1 and you know goodness gracious i don't even know that i don't even know that i could come on your show if they were 10 and 2 11 and 1 right now <laughs> i mean we i, I don't know if, i don't know if you could find words to sum up what that would mean, but either way, man, eight and four, ten and two should have been eleven and one could have been all those whatever you want to say. I mean, w- what a fantastic season, um, and and one that I think you know a lot of people probably didn't see coming. Um, you know, I, I think that that in the preseason and in the off season, the idea was very very much that this was a program on the right trajectory um an upward trajectory but just because they won six last year doesn't mean they were going to improve on that win total this year I mean I think that was a pretty standard thought and I think even within the program I think Lance Leipold said that himself a few times and so um for them to go out and do it the way they did it and, and to be in every game and and to look like you know uh, one of the better football teams in college football I mean that that that's a season that should be celebrated for a long, long time, especially when you consider that they didn't even have their starting quarterback for most of the year. I mean, that's that's big time stuff. This is going to be talked about for a long time and and uh it'll be very interesting to see who they play in the bowl game and, and if they get to finish it off with a win. Because that's the difference. It's it's not like the bulls matter all that much unless you're in the big ones. Um but they do, you know, you always hear Bill Self talk about do it because and that's not the same because the magnitude of what happened is not as big um, as March Madness, but I do think there's a, there's a an element of that philosophy that that, that applies here, and, and that you can kind of say, look, if you go win your bowl game, then you'll always remember it as a good year. And if you lose the bowl game, it's like last year; it was a great year, right? But everybody remembers, you know, the last thought was. Being thrown the ball out of the end zone against Arkansas and you lost your last game and you finished 1-7 and after a 5-0 and start. I mean, those things are just kind of what you remember as much as anything. So I think the bowl game opportunity is, is just a chance to go ahead and put an exclamation point on it. And uh, it'll be really interesting to see where they go, who they play, um, what that looks like. But I don't know that I really care to be honest with you I think that whoever they play and wherever they play they should be favored and I think they should win I mean I just think they're in that position I think this is a really really good football team
0: well you mentioned last week you were perfect on picking all the games this year uh they were eight and four you picked them eight and four you picked every game right along the way did you did you put a a pick in or did you have in the back of your mind uh, a win or loss in a bowl game
1: I, I, yeah, no, good question. I didn't, I didn't, I wish I would have, um, I'll say this though. I think if I had, if I had gone that far, I would have probably, if I, if I believed I was going to be right and that they were going to win eight games, I probably would have picked them to win a bowl game. I mean, that's eight, eight wins, a darn good season, you know? So I do wish that I would have looked ahead and, and projected the bowl game and projected the opponent and, you know, uh, 12 for 12 is pretty cool and I'll remember that for a long time and I'll I'll make everybody else remember it for a long time too. Um but what a what a feat it would have been to go 13 for 13 and get that unknown game and get it right. I mean that that would be you know you, you may have to stop having me on your show if I had done that. I mean you just probably wouldn't be able to afford me anymore. So um no, I didn't do it but but again, I, as I said a minute ago and and if I had done it, I think I would have absolutely predicted a bull victory and nine wins and then you know nine wins is bigger than eight right so now it's a whole other stratosphere um of those two other times that that happened one was obviously the 2007 season when they won what 12 right um but the other was an eight win season i think and so you know nine wins at kansas is is rarefied air and uh they have an opportunity to to go make that happen. And, and there's a lot of reasons this team should be remembered and will be remembered. And, and it's as much for the team concept concept and, and what this group was as a whole, as it was each of the individuals, which I think they have a ton of individual uh, players and, and achievements and seasons that will be remembered too. I mean, this was, uh, I told Lance the other night, I mean, this, this was a lot of fun to cover, a lot of fun to cover. and, Um, few few people know that as well as I do because I covered all of those other things, all of those other seasons. So, um, you know, home and away traveling to all those games just to watch them get slaughtered, um, catching a a. 6am flight out of Dallas year after year, after year, sometimes two, three times in the same year, knowing, well, they're going down to Baylor and they're going to get dropped and I'm going to be there, you know, that's my job. So no big deal, but Man, those those were those were lean times for the program, as everyone knows. But um, it was it was really cool to see this team be this good and and uh, good bunch of guys, good bunch of kids, good bunch of coaches. Uh, they deserve all the success they're getting.
0: Well, you we get a KU basketball game tonight against Eastern Illinois uh, after the Maui Invitational. What are some of the things that you want to see from KU tonight? to kind of make it feel like they are improving or or make it feel like they are picking up in certain areas uh, where they left off last week?
1: Yeah, I don't know, man. I I don't know that – you know, you could point to a bunch of things, right? But I don't know how much of them actually matter tonight. Um, Because let's say they go shoot lights out. Was was that because they were due and because they're a really good shooting team or is that because they played Eastern Illinois? Yeah. and, you know, I don't mean any disrespect to Eastern Illinois, but it's hard to come off of Marquette, Tennessee, and then Yukon coming Friday and to, to pretend that this one's going to tell you a whole lot or mean a whole lot. Um, I, I guess, if anything, what I would look for and what, what I think everyone should want to see is just continued, you know. Rhythm, continuity, lineups that work together, things like that. Um, and and we'll see, you know, I mean, Nick Timberlake's obviously available. Self said that yesterday. And um, he had the, the, got his bell rung in, in Maui and, and, but was, I guess, his back and has practiced a couple of days in a row and all that. So, you know, he's he's available. Um, it would be good to see him get, get his shot fallen and, and start as because, uh, they're going to need him, you know. Like I, I know he looks at times because of the way he's defending and, and because of you know his shot not falling so far this season. <laughs> that's unplayable and and I that's harsh. I think that's real. Um, and I think Self would agree. You know that he's shown that he agrees. I mean, he barely played the second half of that Kentucky game, um, and that was a big part of the problem there. So you'd love to see him find a little bit of confidence again and a little bit of rhythm and, and just feel like, you know, okay, I'm, I'm okay now because with, with the roster being what it is and the depth being what it is, um, I don't know that they have the luxury of, of just saying, well, you don't have it. You're not good enough here. You can't play. I I think they're going to need him for at least some minute, some portion of so many games. And um, you know, that, that's, that's, that's just the nature of the, the, the roster and the number and the depth that they actually do have or don't have. Um, but yeah, I think Jamari McDowell's another guy I'd like to see. Um, I think Jamari McDowell has, has the potential to become a starter. Um, El Marco has looked very just there. I don't think that's a knock on him. We've heard all the reasons that he's, you know, kind of in his own head and thinking things a little bit, a little bit too much and things like that. So you know, for a guy who started every game of his, of his freshman season and KU career. Um, he's just, to me, he's just kind of out there. I don't think he's done anything sensational or anything to stand out. He's just, he's just a, a guy who's, you know, the fifth guy out there. And you want more than that from him, especially being a McDonald's all American and his raw talent and athleticism and all that, which that that's there's plenty of time for that to come. I think that the thing that self said most that stood out yesterday was how many times, and you were there, how many times did he say small sample size? Right. I mean, it seemed like every question that we asked, he kept saying, well, yeah, blah, 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 but you know, small sample size. And so I think that's fair. I think that's why, why he's a good coach because it'd be easy to kill a guy like Timberlake right now and be like, yeah, he's not playing worth a damn, you know, and blah, blah, blah. But what, what good does that do? You know? So you, so you do the opposite and you say it's a small sample size, he'll get there. And then you ride them in practice and you coach them up and you try to, you know, motivate them to get there. And then if it happens, it happens. But, but yeah, McDowell's a guy that that has looked pretty good and has has looked like he's comfortable. And so, um, you know, that starting spot's very, very minimally important right now, right? That fifth spot, um, but it will become more important as these games get harder. And as the big 12 um, season rolls rolls around um, because it, not necessarily because of what they need in terms of production from that spot, but just because of the way that it, it helps the flow of everything. And then also the way that it helps everybody kind of slot where they're at. Okay. So now I know I'm the sixth man. Okay, good. I can play that role. I can perfect that role. And, and you know, then so on down the line with seven, eight, nine, and uh, you know, until you until you get fully what that what that first unit looks like, uh, I don't know that the rest of that can completely come together just yet. So, um, to me, you know, Hunter Dickinson should have a big night. There's a lot of guys that should should perform well um, tonight, and and the opponent has a lot to do with that. But if I'm watching and and any Kansas fans are watching, you know, I I think those Dowell, Timberlake, uh, and, and El El Marco too. I mean, and Furphy can, you can throw Furphy into that mix too. I mean, I don't think you need to know more about those first four guys. I think you need to know most about those next four guys. And honestly, I don't think you need to know more about um, Parker Brown. I think, I think he's already shown very clearly what he can be and what he will be and should be for this team. And um, his role is important, but, He's not going to exceed that probably by much, and and his floor is pretty high too. I think he I think he's just a solid contributor, um, but he's never going to be your you know fifth or sixth guy, and he's never going to give you minutes like he you can't play him. I mean, I think he's just solid. So it's really those guys in the middle there, um, and and I think tonight and games like this are. Are so important for them. So, you know, it may be a lopsided score. It may not be a a ton of energy in there. It may not be, you know, anything that that people want to put on SportsCenter or write home about or anything like that. But um, look closely at what those four guys are doing because I think that's where you're going to start to learn a little bit more about this team's ceiling and potential and kind of where they're at as we move into December.
0: Well, KU Volleyball gets to host this week on Thursday and Friday, first up starting with Omaha. You, you've you gotten to kind of chronicle and, and been along with the ride and the journey of this team and write a bunch of different pieces on a lot of the different players. How much fun has it been to cover this program and, and see the the reward and, and the excitement that they had about
1: getting to host? Yeah, man, I was just thinking about that a little bit ago. Um, as I was typing up their, their all-Big 12 honors, like – we wrote we wrote something and i wrote a lot of it but we had some freelancers do some do some stories too but we wrote something about i think 12 of the girls on this team um individually right like not just covering a match and putting their stats in, but like a feature or, or some kind of showcase highlight story about this individual player. And and we got the 12 of them so far, and I'm actually working on a 13th right now for this week. Um, that's awesome. I mean, like I, I can't say that enough, you know, I, 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 that's what I love about our site. Um, and that's not a knock on anything else you know newspapers have a different job to do than i do and and other sites with recruiting and stuff have have other priorities as well um but but you know what we're about is the story of who these kids are and and to be able to tell 12 stories 13 soon about this roster that's that's you know arguably one of the best teams ever in in KU volleyball history um is, is really cool. I mean, the timing of that is beautiful and, and, and they're awesome players. They're awesome girls. I, I have enjoyed getting to know all of them a little better. I've enjoyed watching them play. I just think it's been, it's been every bit as fun as the 23 and five and, and second place in the big 12 um, accomplishments would, would indicate. I mean, it's, it's, this has been a really, really good season and, and, and they've still, you know, you ask them, they've still got a lot more, a lot more to, to play. Um, obviously they have a big one Thursday. If they win that one, they play again Friday and then they're off to the sweet 16. If they can win two. Um, and then anything goes, we've seen that with Kansas volleyball in the past. We've seen that in NCAA tournaments of all types in the past. Um, you know, that, that'll be really interesting at that point. And, uh, I I think that they're, they're playing as well as anybody. They're as confident as anybody. They're, they're, their depth is sort of the opposite of the men's team. They have so many pieces and so many players that can attack you and, and come in and give you, you know, just even if it's a little bit of quality time in, in one set, you know, just to give a different look, they have that. And, uh, you know, and then of course they've got the big 12 setter of the year and Cameron Turner, uh, coach Bouchard was coach of the year. Um, both unbelievably deserving. I mean, if that if those awards had gone to anyone else, it would have been criminal, um, and and, it, and they didn't. So, yeah, I mean it's it's um, it's it's really cool to watch football be on this 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 path forward that, that that it's on, and to have basketball be you know until they lost in Maui the number one team in the country, and then to still have. A program like volleyball, being what it is, and and getting the love from the from the Ku fan base that it's getting, and the support from the university, and all that. I mean, these girls are a big freaking deal, and they are a legitimate volleyball team, and I think people know that. Um, I, I know people throughout the Big Twelve know that, but I think even Ku fans who who sometimes have a hard time paying attention to anything beyond basketball, um, I think that. KU fans are very well aware of of how talented and how good this team is and and I hope that our coverage and 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 the new site have a little bit to do with that because if you want to get on there and read about them you can you can actually find out you know more than just how they did against Iowa State or how they did against BYU you know you can find out how they got into volleyball or who their mentors were, or what they overcame to, to have the success they're having or why they always smile, you know, um, <laughs> things like that. So I, I I've loved it. And, and I'm glad you asked the question because I think you know that, I mean, I we talk about volleyball a lot and I always find a way to bring it up here too. So I know you probably answered or you knew the answer to the question before you asked it, but, but I, they're just, they're just such a fun team to cover and it's such a great sport. You know that, I mean, it's just, it's so much fun to watch. So Thursday is going to be rocking. Friday is going to be rocking. Um, that was you and I, right, talking about Penn State the other day? Yeah. That's, that's, that's a big deal. I mean, to, to get Penn State on your home floor. I mean, there six, seven years ago, Penn State was Final Four team every year and the team to beat every year and, and uh, had some of the best players in the history of college volleyball. So um, to get that program in here, if, if that's who they end up playing on Friday if they get there, um, you know, that'll be, that'll, that, that you said this. I'm going to steal it from you. Cause you, you, you kind of called them Kentucky Penn state, but uh, from a, from a visual, from an aesthetic standpoint, just seeing Kansas, just seeing Penn Penn state's jerseys out there on the, on the horse court. I mean, that, that's, that's going to be pretty surreal, um, because normally Penn state's hosting, right. And that, that's what they do. So, um, it'll be cool. And, and, uh, you know, that place will be rocking. And then of course, Friday, if KU's playing the volleyball match at 530, you just don't make a bigger day than that, man. I mean, the only way that could be a bigger day is if KU football was playing in the big 12 championship the next day. But otherwise you got volleyball in the second round at 530 hosting. And then you walk 25 steps to your, to your East and and you get four versus five KU UConn men. I mean, man, what a day, what a time to be a KU fan. What a time to be at Kansas. It's, it's incredible. It's I mean I've been doing it a long time. I grew up here. I've watched it to get in as a journalist uh, in a professional sense and I've never something
0: I think we lost Matt here at the very end. Well, we we got to take a time out, but thank you to Matt for coming on. I don't know if he can still hear us. We cannot hear him, but thank you again, Matt Tate. Check out all his great work. It's at r1s1sports.com. sportscom they got plenty going on with volleyball, football, basketball. Thank you again again, Matt Tate, r1s1sports.com. One hour down, two to go. Uh, we're going to do our KU Football Heroes and Villains segment next four o'clock hour. This is Rock Shock Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN or on our website at KLWN.com with the live stream. We're going to be joined by Jill Dorsey-Hall coming up in about 30 minutes from right now to talk KU volleyball and the NCAA tournament. Uh, we are out 5 530 day for KU basketball coverage. we got more KU basketball content coming in the 5 o'clock hour. A little more KU football stuff, though. We do this on Tuesdays. KU football heroes and villains, where we talk to heroes, we talk to villains from the past game of the Jayhawks, 49-16 in Cincinnati. So, maybe a little tougher to come up with the villains. Maybe, maybe not. All right, let's start with the heroes, though. Offensive hero for KU football against Cincinnati. I mean, slam dunk. Jason Bean. Wrong sport. Come on, man.
3: Jason Bean. Dude, the guy was awesome. He was Superman. He did everything. And he, he came was back from injury. All he was Superman. He was the Flash. He was fill in the blank.
0: He was throw it
3: far guy. Yep. He was uh, man Or no, Mr. Fantastic. Because <laughs> he was his arm. Yeah. was throwing it, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. I'm trying. Mm. But, uh, yeah, no, Jason Bean. gotta be it. I mean, mentioned yesterday, dude had a 99.5 QBR, ran for almost 100 yards. Through, only had three incompletions in the game. 250 yards passing. Just outstanding. I mean, I, I just perfect.
0: Mr. Incredible.
3: There you go. There's another one.
0: He was really good. He was really good. Uh, he deserves hero for sure. I'll, I'll give uh, Devin Neal 10 carries, 106 yards, two touchdowns. Dude is just unbelievable. I mean, even from some of the, like, he had the one, like, really patient looking run where he's squeezing between the hole in, in the yeah. first quarter. Uh, For like a solid gain. He has the long touchdown runs. He has the first touchdown of the game. Uh, Devin Neal is just so good at running the football. And I I looked at this stat today. I mean, he's he's in the top 15 in the country in rushing yards. And, And he's done it on a lot less carries than a lot of the other guys that are kind of in that top 20, top 25 in the country. Especially when you start looking at power five schools. He's been so excellent for Kansas this year. And he always delivers. He always gets those extra yards. Whether it's just falling forward or fighting for them or... I don't know, just knowing where to go, he's just an uh, absolute beast. I, I will say, like, it's almost a shame that a lot of times we have these discussions and it's hard to pick one of the KU receivers because of how much the ball gets balanced out. But, like, all of KU's starting receivers really do have such a big impact from a positive light on the field. And so, like, it's hard for me to be like, oh, well, four catches for 72 for Skinner, three for 74 for Arnold, three for 56 for Neal, uh, to take one of those guys above Neal, uh, or or for Graham, excuse me, uh, to take one of those guys above Devin Neal or Jason Bean, but I think they do at least deserve some credit. But yeah, if you're going to go Jason Bean, I will go Devin Neal for the offensive hero. Yeah, give me Jason Bean. Jason Bean. I mean, 99.5 QBR. It's about as perfect as you could play. Literally awesome. This Mm -hmm. is
3: fantastic. Mr. Incredible. Superman. Flash. All the above.
0: Who's your defensive hero
3: for KU? Again, I think there's a pretty clear one here. Well, I mean, I don't know. Maybe not. Uh, But uh, how about our guy, Kobe Bryant, number two play on Sports Center, one-handed interception while, you know, fighting off the receiver, making the pick. He's been incredible. And, you know, early on in the season and really over the course of most of the season, people have not really been targeting him that much. And so he hasn't always had the opportunity to make the big plays. Well, then here comes Lichtenberg, and he wants to throw right at Kobe Bryant on the first play. And what happens? Interception, so uh, that that probably will teach Lichtenberg. I I think going forward, but uh, yeah, Kobe Bryant I think is is the pit the choice here. Number two play on Sports Center probably should have been number one if it wasn't for the the Bama Iron Bowl craziness. But uh, yeah, incredible play, and uh, he's my hero of the defense.
0: It's hard not to choose Kobe Bryant uh, just to pick somebody else and give somebody else credit. Um, let's go with Kenny Logan. Led the yeah. team in tackles. He had 10 of them for the game. He had one pass deflection. He also got our hit of the week by Pearson Collision. Oh, yeah. So he had a hard hit in there, kind of breaking up a pass. Um, just just filling the hole, knowing where to be, continuing to make big tackle numbers.
3: Yeah, it feels like Kenny's been able to play free this season. Yeah. Play loose, and
0: it's shown. He's, he's been really, really solid. And by the way, I saw this today. You you pointed this out on his uh, Twitter. He wants to go to the Pop-Tarts Bowl, which makes sense. He's from Florida. Yeah. So, Pop-Tarts, if you're listening. Kenny Logan tweeted, I love the Pop-Tarts Bowl. I mean, the Kenny Logan, they'll bring so many fans just from Kenny's family. Yeah. It'd yeah. be great.
3: Yeah. Kenny Logan can have himself a bite of the Pop-Tart mascot <laughs> and, uh, you know, have a good time. What flavor, by the way, what yeah. flavor do you think the Pop-Tart mascot's going to
0: be? question. Do they have
3: what what is the
0: signature Pop Tart?
3: I think that depends on who you ask.
0: Well, no, like to them, like what is their, what is the original? I I guess I think maybe the, the cinnamon brown sugar, maybe you think that's original. Oh man, they came out with four flavors originally, the Fab Four they call it. (laughs) Wait, you're joking? I'm not joking. (laughs) Cleveland, Ohio hit the world with the original Fab Four when we released our four original flavors. So what is it?
3: It's Cinnamon brown sugar, I'm guessing, is one Yes. See if
0: you can uh, guess them. You won't be able to guess one of these because I, I don't. Strawberry? is yeah. one of them. Okay, that's two. Um, s'mores? No. You think that would be original? I don't know. Blueberry and apple currant. What? I don't know what apple currant I've never even is. seen blueberry before. You have seen blueberry. No, I haven't. Blue, dude, blueberry's so popular. I like the blueberry. It's very good. What was the other one? Apple what? Apple currant? What does that even mean? Apple. I d I don't know what what's the difference between that one and That's, the brown sugar? Probably very similar taste. Well, I'm just saying, like,
3: why don't you just call it apple? That, what is current? Know. What does yeah, what that even current? mean? This should be apple pop tarts.
0: I don't know. It's a current tart. Whatever. No. Wrong. 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 <laughs> <laughs> the apple.
3: Anyway, uh yeah. brown sugar to Can me is the is the best. Is the best and the most original. Okay. That's the one that I like the most. Okay. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, Who is the special teams
0: hero? Mm,
3: special teams hero. Well, let's see. Damon Greaves, three punts, 33.7 yards per punt. Not great. Only had one down until the 20.
0: Uh, Jared Casey. Yeah, the big Jared, squick, mighty squib Casey, kick return. The squib kick return. That was cool. I think that's Seth my. Seth Keller pick. was six for six on PATs.
3: No. Give me Jared Casey. Give me Jared Casey rumbling down the field on the squib kick. Kenny Logan had a kick return for twenty two
0: yards. He did. He did. I already gave him one of the heroes. But that's though. not Jared Casey. It's not. Rumble and bumless. And that was before they had the big touchdown drive at the end of the first half. So yep. that was like an important kick return. I'll just go with Seth Keller. Six for six PAT. You know, no, you know what? Who's the long snapper? Um wait. Uh I'm I don't which I don't know which box we're looking at.
3: This is that uh ONP attempted a yeah, he went one for one. Okay,
0: he did. He he got in there. He was the one who hit it after the Dylan McDuffie touchdown. Well, because
3: you know the the ESPN broadcast, they they don't normally show very closely the,
0: the the PAT. Yeah.
3: So it's like it's hard to tell who's who's out there.
0: You know, I'm just gonna I'm gonna go Luke Hosford, the uh, long snapper for KU. Okay. Give him some love. You know, he didn't have any messed up snaps. Yeah. Special teams hero. You go. gotta have clean snaps. You do. I mean, you think about the,
3: the building blocks of special teams. Everyone focuses on the kicker,
0: but it all starts does with the long snapper. Can't even attempt to kick it if the snap is back. Exactly. You know? Plus the holder. Yeah. And then the kicker. Yeah. So the kicker just the last him. part of the process. Yeah.
3: All right. Uh, villains. Okay. Um, I'm going to assume that you're, I think I know what one of your villains is, so I'm going to let you have that one. Okay. Uh, Corey Kiner. Yeah, well, because Brady Lichtenberg, he's not a villain. He's anti-villain. Because he's, <laughs> he's a hero. Yeah. He's, a, yeah.
0: he's kind of a hero for KU. It, okay, so Jason Bean had a 99.5 <laughs> QBR, right? We mentioned that. If you added Jason Bean's QBR with Brady Lichtenberg's QBR, you would still not get 100. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's bad. Uh, Emory
3: Jones, was, he was pretty good, really, yeah, he's to be fine. honest. Uh, and he, he was good on the ground as well. So maybe Emory Jones' legs. You wanna call that a villain? Um I don't know, let's see. They didn't really they didn't get any sacks. Emory Jones' legs, maybe. <laughs> I love that you're picking a
0: body part. <laughs> what what what? What's wrong with that? Mm-hmm. It's his legs. Okay. They were the villain. Uh, for Lance Leipold, it's the refs. Yeah. He was ready to string someone up. Yeah.
3: But again, he just i I talked about it yesterday. He looks like that all the time.
0: <laughs> He's just always mad. Every week. No, mine is the uh is Skyline Chili. Yeah. That's My villain I mean. is Skyline Chili. So I, going there. I am all for having fun, having fun on a broadcast, you know. There comes a certain moment where it's don't spend too long on something, I guess. They legitimately probably spent fifteen minutes. There there was like one legit like seven to eight minutes straight where they were Doing Skyline Chili. And they went back to it like two other times. Yeah, they did. Well, and the worst
3: part was when they when the game was going on and they went up to the booth.
0: Yeah. And we had to watch the guy try to eat it. Yeah. Well, like, while the game was literally... While ending. he had his mic in front of his mouth. Yeah. Yeah,
3: man. I, okay. It's like, I'm all for the bit, and I exactly.
0: think that's kind of fun,
3: but... But it doesn't need to last 10 minutes. Make it thing, last a minute. The, the thing about stuff like that is there's a very fine line between it being, like, fun and quirky and cool and it just being annoying. Yeah. There's a very, very fine and you've really got to walk that tightrope line
0: pretty closely. You do. I would imagine, even if you're from Cincinnati, you were probably like, okay, we get it. We have Skyline Chili. Leave us alone. <laughs> don't you think? I don't know. Maybe. I guess. I mean, right. how famous is Skyline Chili, really? No, but see, I would imagine if I was from Cincinnati, I would probably view Skyline Chili the same way that whenever like you go on an airplane and somebody who's not from Kansas will be like, well, we're not in Kansas anymore. Ha <laughs> ha. Well, I don't know. No, I think it's a little different. I think it's a little different. No, it's just as bad.
3: I mean, do you think people get annoyed by Kansas City people talking about barbecue all the time? That's, mm. Isn't that the same
0: thing? Basically? Yes, that's a good point. So maybe they're fine Somebody with else it. is
3: like, oh, I'm so sick and tired of seeing all this Kansas City barbecue every time we, there's a game in Kansas City or something.
0: I guess that's fair.
3: I don't know. But, but I'm saying, do other people feel that way? Maybe they don't. Maybe they Maybe they like the barbecue. They like seeing barbecue. The problem is, is that I didn't even get to see any chili because they put two pounds of shredded <laughs> cheese on but it. But that's how it always comes. But why? I, they just love their shredded cheese. I don't know what else to
0: say. But I don't want, I don't, I want chili with a side of cheese, not cheese with a side of chili. Well, maybe that's that's just how they like it. You will order it like that, and you will get it that way. Uh, But yeah, they just spent way too much time on it, and here we are talking too much about it, so I'm ready to move on. All right, that's our KU Heroes and Villains segment for the week. KU takes down Cincinnati. Let's get into some possible bowl games that KU could be a part of. Where are people projecting them? Where would we like to see them? Where would we like to see them for the fan base? All those sorts of things coming up on the other side. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, it's Derek Johnson from Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN, and despite sitting around in a studio all day, I feel loose and limber thanks to Massage Envy and their total body stretch service. If you have aches from a day at the office working out, maybe around a golf Massage Envy can help. All you need to do is relax and breathe deep during the stretches and they'll take it from there It's great for your body and your mind and they also have rapid tension services and advanced skin care. Massage Envy on 6th Street in Lawrence and 119th in Black Bob in Alephah Welcome back into Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We're going to be joined by Jill Dorsey-Hall. Talk KU Volleyball coming up in about 10, 15 minutes from right now. So KU has finished the season at 8-4 and four on the year, and the Big 12 is just an absolute cluster in that everybody is pushed together and the schedules are so different. Like, for instance, you look at West Virginia's schedule and it's just like, okay, KU could have gone 10-2 and two against that, right? So, um, the bowl games that are going to be selecting are not tied in for some reason that, but to what teams are that specific spot in the the big 12. Like the bulls can
3: basically pick whatever
0: they want. Right. Like technically the big 12 standings, West Virginia finished ahead of Kansas this year, but like the bulls, uh, I would imagine Kansas is more appealing than West Virginia, right? Because Kansas is a better team in my estimation. And two, I think, I don't know, maybe just more, West Virginia has good fan attendance. I, I don't want to diminish that. But, like, with Kansas, uh, you, you still have this yearning to to go to bowl games and, and stuff with um some of the stuff that's been there. So, yeah. it'll be interesting to see where they are on the pecking order. Now, part of what could determine what happens here is going to be based on what happens with some of these other bowl games. Like, New Year's 6 feels likely for Texas at this point, regardless of what happens. Um, Honestly, maybe the best thing that could happen for KU is Oklahoma State beating Texas. Because if Oklahoma State beats Texas, they get a New Year's Six Bowl by winning the Big 12, right? They get the bid from the Big 12. Then Texas would still get a New Year's Six Bowl, and you'd still have an outside shot at Oklahoma getting one, but at the very least, you'd have two. Now, if Texas beats Oklahoma State, you still could have two. Texas and Oklahoma could make it. OU would be kind of on the borderline, so we'll see. Um, It would benefit Kansas if that does happen, because then that would eliminate one extra good team, and then the Alabama Bowl could pick you know, Oklahoma State or Oklahoma. And then Pop-Tarts Bowl would kind of have a choice. Iowa State, Kansas State, West Virginia, Texas Tech, Kansas. Um, I think it would be probably between Kansas State and Kansas at that point. Kansas State maybe the edge, but maybe Alamo Bowl would pick Kansas State. And then maybe Pop-Tarts Bowl would pick Kansas. So as far as the bowl order of how it goes, it's one would be the, uh, outside of New Year's Six, obviously, one would be the Alamo. Two would be the Pop-Tarts. Three would be the Texas Bowl. Four would be the Liberty Bowl. Five would be the Guaranteed Rate Bowl. Again, this is outside of the New Year Six. Six would be the Armed Forces Bowl, and then they have some other like slight tie-ins after that if they need them. I find it hard to believe that Kansas would get past the Guaranteed Rate Bowl. It seems like there is legitimate interest there from that side of things. There are a bunch of sites that do their bowl projections, and a majority have them kind of there. So 24-7 has them in the Guaranteed Rate Bowl uh, against Northwestern. ESPN has two different prognosticators. Both of them have them in the Armed Forces Bowl, one against Syracuse, once against Wyoming. Wyoming would be
3: terrible.
0: Yeah, I I wouldn't want to play Wyoming. I don't want to Uh, play Wyoming. CBS has them in the Guaranteed Rate Bowl against Rutgers. Action Network Guaranteed Rate Bowl versus Maryland. Sporting News, the Texas Bowl against Duke. Athlon be, Sports Bowl. That'd be fun. Yeah. Guaranteed rate bowl against Northwestern. Fox, guaranteed rate bowl against Northwestern. USA Today, guaranteed rate bowl against Northwestern. And The Athletic, guaranteed rate bowl against Maryland. So, by far, the most predicted is the guaranteed rate bowl. And I think that makes sense. And then yeah. you're looking at probably Northwestern, Maryland, or Rutgers against you. The Northwestern won the most picked. And that would be interesting because you could have the Travis Goff Bowl, right? that yeah. came from Northwestern.
3: Yeah. And obviously, Northwestern is a program that started the season in... Yeah, intense turmoil. Yeah, and uh, has managed to kind of salvage that and and come together a little bit. So that'd be definitely a fun matchup. Yeah, but to your point, it kind of seems like the things will be hinging on the New York Six situation, and also with the Pop Tarts Bowl. It does seem like it's going to be. It could be either Kansas State or Kansas. It's just a matter of which which way they want to go. And then maybe if Kansas State gets picked for the Alamo Bowl, possibly. Uh, And then you know beyond that, you mentioned the Liberty Bowl in there. As the fourth pick, which is actually ahead of the guaranteed rate bowl, but it sounds like Kansas would not want to go back to Liberty Bowl, and and I think that makes sense, right? I mean, I don't understand why there's not a lo- rule that says you can't go to the same bowl two years in a row. There should be.
0: So, what if it was a New Year's Six bowl? Would you go to the same one back to back? Outside of New Year's okay. Six, okay, a regular bowl. Yeah, just to get something different. Yeah. So, uh, and that's that's
3: that's reflected in the fact that none of the none of the sites or none of the services have. Said that Kansas is going to go to the Liberty Bowl because I think it's kind of really the assumption of probably Liberty Bowl would pass on Kansas since they already just had them. Right.
0: So you, the the bowl games themselves, it probably benefits them to have new yeah. teams in there year to yeah. year. But also from Kansas perspective, I wonder, I, I wonder how much Kansas is like, hey, we'd prefer not to go back there for the same reason you said. It's, it's the same thing, but also yeah. kind of a bad experience for well, a lot I mean, of people. No, it was just there was no running water. <laughs> it was a really unfortunate
3: kind of a problem. It was really unfortunate timing, is what it was. <laughs> And that a, a winter storm had hit Memphis like literally four days before. And Memphis, being a city relatively south in mm-hmm. the south, was woefully unprepared for it and therefore had uh, various issues that you alluded to there with uh, running water and some heating problems. Uh, so I think that, yeah. But, but, uh, yeah. So I, I don't think the Liberty Bowl is really even a consideration at this point. So it really, it really does hinge on. The Pop-Tarts Bowl situation and the New Year's Six situation of how, what, how many teams are available to be selected for the rest of the bowls, whether or not the Pop-Tarts Bowl goes for Kansas State or goes for Kansas, it sounds like they had representatives at both Kansas State and Kansas a couple times throughout the course of the season. And then at that point, then it would probably come down to, okay, if you're not getting picked for the Pop-Tarts Bowl, that means you probably aren't going to get picked for the Texas Bowl either, and then you'd fall down and, and go down to the guaranteed rate bowl. Fall down is not the right term, but you would go to, go to the guaranteed rate bowl. And uh, we kind of talked about this off air. So the Pop-Tarts Bulls in Orlando, the Texas Bulls in Houston, and the Guaranteed Rate Bowl is in is in Phoenix. And the Guaranteed Rate Bowl is is on December 26th, the day after Christmas, mm-hmm. which we had kind of talked about as, from a KU fan attendance perspective, the Guaranteed Rate Bowl is probably the worst bowl because it's the day after Christmas. If you wanted to go. It is a night game though, so I guess technically, if you wanted to get crazy, you could fly out day up. Yeah,
0: there's two ways of looking at this. Like one, they have a big alumni base in Phoenix, so that would be fine. Like those people wouldn't really have to travel. Um, also, it would be a night game. Also, it'd be against a Big Ten school, which I, I think is fun for Kansas. To play Big Ten schools with with all the you know rumors going back a couple years ago about oh, KU okay, would they ever get in the Big Ten? Right. Um, I I think it's a good stadium. It, it's the Diamondback Stadium, kind of a cool spot to watch with. So, like, I don't know, man. Do you want to watch a game at a baseball field? I mean, it's it's they they bring their own like grass and everything in there, but you know? still, it's a baseball field. I think there's something unique about it, right? You don't get it in yeah, other I places. Guess. Fine. I I think there would be a lot cool about it, but you're right that it sucks from a. Now I'm not going to be attending either way. My wife is due a, a few weeks after this, so like. I'm not gonna be attending and, and leaving my near to be uh delivering child wife, right. So like it doesn't impact me as much. so I don't really care as much about the travel personally. I'm just trying to think from a fan base perspective. I'm trying to have the most I guess empathetic uh, feeling about the entire fan base here. and you're right, even though there is the big alumni base there for the rest of the fans, this is probably one of the tougher ones to travel to. You know, it's not driving distance. You're about 16, 20, somewhere in that range, hours driving distance away. It's the day after Christmas, like you said. So if you're going out there, you're probably going to have to leave Christmas day. I guess, like you said, it is a night game, so you could leave you could, early that you morning. You catch an
3: early flight but day But still, after.
0: that's a quick turnaround from Christmas.
3: Yeah. And
0: crazy. when yeah, part of going to a bowl game, the fun of it is experiencing, like, the whole, the whole yeah. shebang, right? So yeah. You, like, ideally you, – You'd like to spend a day or two where you right. can kind of explore around and You don't just want do to something. be there for the – Come the morning of, go to the bowl, leave the next morning. Like yeah. there, There's something not as fun about that. Yeah. Um. So I get it. I think it's okay. But, like, yes, from a travel standpoint, I've also heard the flights are pretty outrageous, cost-wise. Well,
3: and that would be the same issue with the Pop-Tarts Bowl.
0: Is it that bad for Orlando? Well, yeah, think about it. Disney World.
3: Everyone wants yeah, to go to Disney World around the holidays. The holidays. Right? Everyone wants to go to Disney World for New Year's or for, yeah. like, for Christmas. The
0: cool part about the Pop-Tarts, A, I've said this all along, I just think it'd be really cool to, like, I don't know. There's something... I, I love Pop-Tarts. And, like, Pop-Tarts, Kansas, like, sure, all about it. The Pop-Tarts Bowl is also a very good bowl. So it's an opportunity to possibly play, like, a top 25 team. And if... I yeah. mean, that, that would get a lot of attention. Um, that would also get you an opportunity if you win the game. You're going to probably finish in the top 25, you know? Yeah. And you might anyway if you yeah, win a guaranteed rate that's bowl.
3: That's the thing about the guaranteed rate bowl is, like... Doesn't You're guarantee probably going to be... You're... 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 Pause. I'm <laughs> pausing you. <laughs> no, if... It, 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 that's the thing is like if you play in the guaranteed rate bowl, that that's a game where you're going to probably more likely get an opponent that you can win. So from a standpoint games. of like
0: winning the game, that would probably be the best bowl for Kansas mm-hmm. to go to. But see, I I almost approach it like what Matt said earlier, what you said. Well, Matt said yeah, you 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 do it to complete the season. What you've said where it's like the bowl is kind of the cherry on top. Yeah. I'd rather play the better team and if you lose, you lose. And if you yeah, win, there's fine. more positive. Well again, I, positive... I have I have continued to maintain that you, you yeah. need to win a bowl game eventually. You do. you do.
3: But as of right now, I think it's it's still a situation where right, if you don't win the bowl game, I don't think it's gonna be
0: Right. So give me the better opponent, you know. Held against you. Um in the guarantee rate, the other part of that though that would be helpful is that you get You've had that pipeline, I guess, at like Desert Edge High School. You could certainly, I guess, uh, get some good fan attendance from those people who are uh, coming to the game, and maybe some recruits and, and possible future recruits and everything. So that'd be good. Uh, honestly, from just like a travel perspective, I wonder if the Armed Forces Bowl would be the best. That's in Fort Worth. That's like eight hour drive for people from from here. They're, they have a huge alumni base in Dallas. Yeah, that could be a good one. But that means you'd have to be passed on by the Guaranteed Rate Bowl, and I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, I think if you. I think it's more likely the Texas. I think three one. most likely in order. Texas. I would say guaranteed rate for me is one. Yep. Texas is two. Pop-Tarts is three. I most likely would to happen. I probably agree with that, yeah. Chose what I'd want, Pop-Tarts one. Outside of that, I don't
3: care. <laughs> there. There we go. I don't really care to be regardless. I mean, I might. It just kind of depends on whether or not I'll, I'll go or not, but uh, we'll see. But, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't really care, to be honest. I'm good with any of them.
0: He's Nick Springer. We're going to be joined by Jill Dorsey-Hall. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Back in a moment. Welcome back in to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We're joined now by Jill Dorsey-Hall, who former KU volleyball great. She is a color analyst. You hear her all the time on your KU women's basketball games, on your KU volleyball games. You'll be able to hear her on all the action this Thursday at Horish uh, as KU is hosting the first and second round of the NCAA tournament. Kansas taking on Omaha on Thursday. Uh, there will also be the other game there, which is Penn State and Yale. KU's got the night cap at 7 o'clock, Penn State-Yale at 4.30. And uh, then the Friday game will be at 5.30, kind of a lead-in to the KU-Yukon basketball game. So, Jill, thanks for hopping on here. Uh, as we've gotten to this point, KU earning a hosting opportunity here, finishing second in the Big 12, 23-5. and five. Uh, What to you has been the main story this season, the main headline, storyline about KU Volleyball and how they've gotten to earn this hosting spot in the first two rounds?
2: Yeah, I think you look at the combination of some veterans. Cameron Turner, one of the best setters. In the conference for sure. I would love to see her get that setter of the year award in the Big 12. I think she deserves that. She is so much running that 5 1 system. She's the only setter on the floor throughout, six rotation player. And then the infusion of some transfers. You look at some transfers that play power five volleyball in Michaela Myers, a middle. And then also Toyosi on a banjo coming from the university of Iowa from big 10 country. And then Reagan Cooper, there's so much to be said about Cooper and the level that she's playing transferring in from Texas tech. So, three newcomers by way of transfer and veteran players. So you infuse that with Cameron Turner running the show. And then a true freshman in Reagan Burns taking over that libero the spot all season long. I always have to share that libero love. I think she's doing a great job. Caroline Bien moving over to that that defensive specialist spot and, and owning that. And then Aya El Nadi just being steady as ever. London Davis on the right side being that X factor, that heavy, heavy arm swing On the right side, Kansas offensively has been so balanced throughout this season. And finishing second in the Big 12, just second to Texas, is is a huge accomplishment, right? Going on that road and that week where they were able to beat two ranked opponents in Baylor at home and then on the road at Provo, truly locked down hosting, and I think deservingly so. Now they get a really big beast in Penn State. I think if people were to say, hey, volleyball – People think of a program like Penn State. They've been in every single NCAA tournament. That is an incredible feat. But they're doing it in the friendly confines of the Horace Family Volleyball Arena. So let's roll.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, when you think back to some of the, the KU teams that have made second weekends uh, recently mm-hmm. here, you yeah, had the, the Caroline Jarmock team back about a decade ago. Uh, you had obviously the, the final four team from 2015. You had uh, the team from a couple years ago and in, in that they were able to get through on the road, getting through Creighton before they fell to Pittsburgh. When when you look at some of the teams that uh, Coach mm-hmm. B has has had make it that to that kind of second week of play How does this one compare and contrast to some of those other teams?
2: Yeah, that's a great point, Derek. And you got front row, right, for those those great years. 16, Very fortunate, 16. yeah. Yeah, those were fun. I, I think it's the it's the ball control, that serve and pass aspect. I mean, to get to, to play extended volleyball and the level, the margin of error is just ever so slight. And the teams that can truly push, uh, force the issue from, from the service line, I do think that's an area that Kansas is going to have to put a, a, a bit of emphasis on. When they lost at Iowa State, I know Coach B's message, to that team after that first night. They won that second night, 1917, in the fifth. He said, hey, we don't have enough serving errors." And that sounds a little bit odd, but you have to have a few service errors. That means you're serving very aggressive. And so when Kansas this last weekend weren't necessarily playing at their highest level, they were able to, to, to win this last weekend. It was a gritty win, though. I, I thought it was a difficult win against UCF that came in there. They had to pick up their service, their service um, aggressiveness from the service line. And so they've been good from first contact, but when a team like – you know, say they get through that first round in Omaha, but Omaha is going to be playing completely free. If they play a, p- a team like Penn State and the level if they play, they're going to have to go back there and be very, very aggressive. And I think back to those teams, they're able to be in system because the blocking level goes up. And so when you become predictable and if you're not in system, right, teams are going to start to get in front of you and block some balls. So you've got to have every option available for Cameron Turner. You've got to be in system. you got to let her do her magic, but you got to put up a great great ball for her to deliver to the attacker because truly Kansas isn't the most physical team when you look at them. And so they're going to have to be really clean with that first contact with a service and serve receive.
0: So when you look at Omaha, obviously KU beat them earlier in the year, they're the team that that played Nebraska in that giant uh, football stadium game. So I guess the big moment uh, or the crowd shouldn't be, I guess, compared to that uh, much for them. Uh, What sticks out to you about that first matchup and, and, I don't know, interesting parts of it that the Kansas needs to do well, kind of more on that of, of uh, getting through the first round.
2: Interesting. They've already played. I mean, that's how they started their you know season, going up to Omaha and playing them, and they, they were are able to sweep the team. But I think you know Omaha has progressed. They had a gauntlet of a non-con before you know going through the summit, and they came from they had a reverse sweep against Kansas City, and I was you know watching that because Coach Posey is the coach at, at Kansas City, so I was keeping my eye on on that match, and so I thought that whoever won that would be a likely matchup if Kansas were to host because of proximity. But Omaha has has some veterans there. They've got a tremendous head coach. Coach Buttermore has done a wonderful job. Cats up to him first time getting into the NCAA tournament, but their middle, I think, took over in that match. And so it'll be an interesting matchup because, uh, you know, having faced them before, I think Omaha is going to play extremely free. And you're always a little leery, right, of those first-round matchups because, you know, they're coming on the road, a team they already lost to in straight sets, but I think it's an improved Omaha squad that's going to play, you know, like without any to lose you know I mean there's clearly the underdog on Kansas' home floor but I think the middle if Omaha can get their middles going I think this will be a much more interesting match than the first time around
0: you kind of mentioned the prowess of Penn State already certainly one of the schools you think of with, with the volleyball blue blood I guess kind of conversation uh, Coach B yesterday at the press conference was certainly talking up Yale though that that's a really tough team too uh, what do you see in that matchup between the Bulldogs and the Nittany Lions
2: yeah, you know, I, I was just got done watching Yale take on Brown, and I, their head coach has done a fantastic job there over the years and getting them into the NCAA tournament. And I think they're balanced, and so I think that'll be very interesting to, to see. And, and, you know, Betsy Goodenow, she actually is from Overland Park. She's a, a first-year in the Ivy League. They call them a the first-year. So she's <laughs> she's playing on that right side, and she's coming close to home. I, I watched a video on when Yale was announced, and it was so fun to watch her get Excited because she saw that they were going to play in Kansas nearby, where she played at St. Thomas Aquinas, had a great high school career, and she's doing a good job. They actually moved one of their best players from right side to outside. Um, Aubrey Leak, and she's a really tremendous player, 6-2, uh, all unanimous Ivy League selection, first team selection, but then good now on that right side, and then they have a very fast arm in the middle, Gigi Barr, who, who does a good job for them, so I think Yale's going to be steady, and I think it's another one of those matchups that I think both Yale and Omaha could push both Kansas and Penn State, you know, maybe extend it, uh, those, those two matches, but I think they're two teams that are going to come in and play very fearless. And, and just fearless volleyball and with nothing to lose. So I think, yeah, give some credit to Yale because they went um, undefeated through through Ivy League play, and that's impressive. I don't care what league you play in. If you don't drop a match in conference play, that's impressive.
0: Well, let's say we do get the Kansas-Penn State matchup on, on Friday night in the second round. What at that point would be the key for KU getting through uh, Penn State?
2: Yeah, it's going to be tough. It's interesting how Penn State has built their roster. I have a ton of respect for their head coach. She was an assistant and played for under Russ Russ Rose, the legend. And Katie Schumacher... Um, Kali has been done a fantastic job and really hit the transfer portal. They have Mac Pedraza, Pedraza, who's one of the best setters in the country. She was the reigning Big Ten setter of the year, had been, spent four years at Ohio State and now in her final year at Penn State. Jess Merzik on the outside, who can just go get you a kill, similar to how Reagan Cooper can, can be for, for the Kansas Jayhawks. And then Taylor Trammell, a transfer in from Purdue. So it's interesting how they've kind of made their team and also another, transfer into their program, their right side from Utah and Weatherington, who's done a good job on that right side there. So they're kind of similar. And that's why you see them in the coaches poll. Actually, interesting enough this week, Penn State 14, Kansas 15. But Penn State you don't want to have to go into Rec Hall. That is a hostile environment. I was there a couple of years ago to do a match, Michigan State and Penn State, at Rec Hall and Happy Valley, and it is allowed there. And so for Penn State, I would say edge, a slight edge. I could certainly see this one going the distance, though. And But, you know, I've seen some magic happen this year for the Kansas Jayhawks on you know in, in horse. I think they've won 14 straight now, and they had, the last time they lost was to a Big Ten school in Purdue, and that was late August. So it's been a while since Kansas has lost on their home floor. And I think that's why they were so, so excited to see that they were able to host. But it is going to come down to the slightest bit of margin. And it, But, you know, Penn State's a very good blocking team, similar actually to Purdue when they came in and they did a good job blocking as well. So it's going to be a really difficult matchup for, for Kansas. But I think they're going to have to, you know, obviously, like I said, put a ton of pressure with their serve um, from the service line. But I could expect this one to go in the distance.
0: All right, and uh, yeah, certainly. I, I guess if you go back and they beat Purdue, maybe they're the three seed in this region because that's what Purdue is. With with Kansas being the four there. Yeah. Uh, now, now I do want to go kind of throughout the entire region. This is going to be so much fun with with all the games that are on, and you know, ever since the last couple of years where every game's kind of been on at least some sort of like ESPN Plus or somewhere that you can watch the game. ESPNU has has made it so much fun to kind of go around. I think last year they did the uh, I, I forget the name of it, but the the kind of whip around coverage. With the there, whip around, right? yes. yeah. Uh, That was awesome stuff. So uh, I want to start in the top left bracket. Number one overall seed is Nebraska. They lost for the first time just recently this season to Wisconsin. They've been a powerhouse all year long. Is, Is it as easy just to say when you're looking at that region that Nebraska is the team to beat? Is there anybody you would even put close to Nebraska in their region?
2: You know, I think they match up against Kentucky. I think Kentucky's playing at a really high level. Uh, I want to say Arkansas because Jillian Gillian is so fun to watch for Arkansas. But I I think that Nebraska gets there. I think they get to the Final Four.
0: And do you have a favorite player in that region?
2: Man, there's so much to like. Harper Murray, though, is a true freshman for Nebraska. She's a a stud, a six-rotation player. I I just love, I mean, the the freshman and the numbers that she's putting up, it's hard not to like her. Obviously, Lexi Rodriguez, a libero love again. She's the best libero, I think, in the country, so she's so fun. Service reception, she just holds it down, and she's a big reason why Nebraska is as good as they are
0: is there a dark horse, maybe not somebody who can beat Nebraska because that's that's a tall task, but at least somebody who you think maybe could uh, make a a deep run in the tournament who is maybe being slept on a little bit? Mm, Maybe
2: Georgia Tech. Actually, I could see them getting to actually, I could see them playing Nebraska. I could see them getting out of their little quadrant there. Uh, They're going to Florida. Florida was the surprise host for me. I I didn't quite understand that one. They were really good, but they lost their, you know, Alexis Stuckey, their starting setter and a couple other players due to injury. And so that was a little bit of surprised a host there. So I think Georgia tech can get out of that.
0: Would you put anybody on upset alert here in this first weekend of, of play, or maybe in the first round of play from, uh, the top left region.
2: I would put Arkansas maybe on upset alert. I, I, although I hate to say that because I think Florida State could maybe uh, get past them. So that one would be definitely interesting. Obviously, when you get to this tournament time, you want to root for a Big Twelve team, and I think that Coach McGuire's done a wonderful job at Baylor. So it will be interesting to see if Baylor can maybe push Kentucky.
0: I right, move into the uh, top right bracket, which is the one that Kansas is in. Wisconsin's the number one seed. Uh, Badgers after beating Nebraska does that make them the clear team to beat here as well?
2: Yeah, they're they're links. I mean, they're so physical and, and they are playing with a ton of confidence. They got Shrek back, Shrek back. She had missed a couple matches. And I think that's why they lost on the road to Purdue. No discredit to Purdue. But I think without her in the lineup, that's why they lost that one on the road. You know, I know I've, I've, we've been reading a lot and Big 10 fans are upset to see three Big 10 team schools there. Right with Wisconsin, they have Penn State and then Purdue all in that quadrant. And so that's going to be a difficult one. And I think the Toughest quadrant is the one that Kansas is in. Mm. Well,
0: that's no fun. Um, now, as as far as a dark horse in in this region, who would you
2: go with? Yeah, Oregon. I mean, Oregon showed that they were able to upset a Big Ten foe last year in in ne- Nebraska. They upended Nebraska season last year, so I think that they could really push on that side. I do have Oregon playing Purdue over there, so I think that could be a really interesting match to watch and some athletic hitters there in that match, no doubt. I mean, Purdue has two of the most dynamic outside hitters. Kalisha Coyne, the true freshman, I got to see her live and in person this year. She's fantastic. And so that could be an interesting matchup between Purdue and Oregon to get to play Wisconsin.
0: Do you have a favorite player uh, in in this region, I guess, withstanding KU since you get to watch him so much?
2: Yeah, I you know, I really do like Chloe Shacoin, a six-rotation player for Purdue, a tough freshman. I, I love watching her play. I mean, she's an absolute gamer, so I think she's phenomenal. And I, not a lot of – it'll be interesting to see if Purdue plays Marquette. Marquette's a, a veteran team, so it'll be interesting to see if Marquette could push. You know, Marquette had Purdue on the ropes in Lawrence, and so that'll be actually a rematch because those three teams played together, you know, in non-conference, and so in an early tournament in Lawrence and and Purdue came back and won that in the fifth and so that would be a really interesting matchup to to keep an
0: eye on all right we'll just work clockwise here bottom right bracket the one seed there is the Stanford Cardinal but very interesting anytime you get Texas as kind of a two seed in your bracket uh we saw BYU what they were able to do in home games is is in there Tennessee's the three Stanford the team to beat or would you go to the defending champs with the Texas Longhorns?
2: Yeah, you know, it was interesting to see this matchup again, because Stanford went on the road and beat Texas. They swept them earlier this year, and so I think you understand why Stanford's one, Texas is two, but I think Texas actually is okay with that. They're they're okay with no, nobody picking them, and I haven't seen anybody pick them, actually. I've seen people pick the upset there, and a couple of brackets that I've seen, Tennessee, people think Tennessee can beat Texas. I, I won't take that. I'll take Texas. I mean, the reigning national champions, with. Madison Skinner there, I think that Texas plays Stanford to get out of that to get to the Final Four. I think BYU wins they are so difficult to beat in their home floor, although Kansas was able to do it. I see them getting out of that, but that's a really tough, tough draw there with Georgia and Arizona State. That'll be an interesting, if you're looking for a good first-round matchup, I think the Georgia-Arizona State one would be a fun one to watch.
0: Okay, and uh, Dark Horse team from the bottom right region. Yeah,
2: I, I would maybe say I, I, you can't call Texas a dark horse that are defending national champions. So um, I think Tennessee could push Texas. So that would be an interesting one to watch in that Sweet 16 matchup that those two teams face off. We've got to give a little love to the newcomer of BYU. I think they're really talented. I saw them go on the road and, and push you know Texas a little bit on that. But I think that... You know, Whitney Bauer, the senior setter for them. I think she's an absolute gamer. So I think to uh, keep your eye on BYU.
0: Okay. And uh, favorite player from this region? Wow, that's a
2: tough one. I, I, I really do love Maddie Skinner for Texas. I think that she could be the player of the year in the Big 12. I, I, I really like her. I like her play. Six rotation, she's one of the best from the back row attack. She just absolutely flies, and she's a really great kid, too. Asia O'Neal, she's, she's a close second. She's had such a great career at Texas and everything that she's had to overcome with two heart surgeries throughout her career, and, and she's such a fun player. I think she'll be a, a future Olympian, too.
0: And uh, the bottom left region, our final one, the one seed is Pittsburgh, two seeds Louisville. That was certainly a a big discussion with which of those two was going to get that opportunity at kind of the the four or five turn, so to speak. Uh, Who's the team to beat for you in, in that region?
2: Yeah, I mean, flip a coin between Louisville and Pitt. And I thought that was kind of an interesting little, <laughs> you know, who is going to get to host. And obviously Pitt with the number one seed. Louisville, I think, is hoping to play a little bit of a revenge there. I think everyone expects those two teams to match up again. But we've seen some great things out of Washington State. They're the four seed, you know, there. So it would be interesting to see. I think Creighton, not enough people are talking about Creighton. Um, I, I think Minnesota, Those playing their best volleyball right now um, as of late and so I'm really looking forward to watching that Minnesota Creighton matchup if that one indeed plays out and so I do have Louisville playing Pitt just because I'd love to see that rematch to go to the final four
0: okay if it's if it's not one of those two teams if Louisville or Pitt doesn't make it who would be your dark horse pick
2: Creighton, no doubt. I love Kirsten Bertal Booth and everything that she's doing. So I'm going to put some money on Creighton. They've got Norris just back. They were without her for a few weeks, but they have her back. Kendra Waite from nearby Gardner, Kansas. So, so fun to watch. Ava Martin, also from Overland Park. So a lot of local uh, people, you know, players that made their way to Creighton that that you could certainly root for.
0: And a uh, player to watch from this region or, or favorite player from this uh, area of
1: the bracket.
2: Yeah, Kendra Wait's my favorite. She's a stud. You know, her sister Cassie, who you know Derek played at mm-hmm. Kansas and was a great libero in that Final Four run. But Kendra Wait's the setter. She's the biggie setter of the year, and she's one of the most dynamic athletes in the entire tournament.
0: Well, Jill, I appreciate the time here and uh, going over the tournament. I guess do you, do you have a, a national championship pick or, or a Final Four pick?
2: Yeah, I, I think Nebraska brings it home. I think the, the, the youngsters get it done. They're loaded with freshman talent, and so I think that Nebraska will actually bring it home. I know that's not, you know, I'm going with the number one seed overall. That's the easy pick, right? But I, I think that they're exceptional defensive, defensively and, and ball control, and I think they are just going to go all out, nothing to lose, right? They know that they have a couple more years left. I think they're going to play really loose and free, and I definitely am gonna, I'm going to go with Nebraska.
0: Well, Jill, I appreciate it. Have so much fun on the calls this uh, week. We're going to be listening to you and tuning in and everything, and uh should be a lot of fun. And, and maybe we'll get a chance to talk to you next week if, if Kansas can make it through and we can talk some, uh, I guess, KU Wisconsin, Caroline Crawford storylines.
2: Oh, I would love to revisit and I hope that we are talking about volleyball. But thanks so much for having and talking about volleyball this week, Derek. I appreciate it.
0: Awesome. Thanks again, Jill. All right. See ya. All right, that was Jill Dorsey-Hall. You can hear her as a color analyst for a lot of the KU women's basketball games, too, over the course of the year on ESPN+, Plus, ESPN3, whatever you want to call it, Big 12 now. Uh, you'll also be able to hear her on the action on Thursday and Friday for both the KU game and the Penn State-Yale game, and then Friday, uh, whoever's playing in the second-round game for uh, KU volleyball with Jill Dorsey-Hall, former KU volleyball player herself. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. Two hours down. we got half an hour to go. We are out early today at 5.30 uh, for coverage of the KU men's basketball game. Tip-off at 7 o'clock against Eastern Illinois. We're going to get to some Bill Self audio ahead of the game. We still have to get to uh, Rock Chalk Pickahawk and our KU basketball game picks. We'll do that coming up next. This is RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. Five o'clock hour on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. We got some Bill Self audio we're going to get to. So before we get to any of that, because we're out at 530, we got to do our Rock Chalk Pickahawk and our game picks. And on Rock Chalk Pickahawk, if you remember, yep. we did a double up last week yep. with both games and it counted for two wins. Yep. The first game did not go well because they played Marquette and everybody had turnovers and nobody could do anything. <laughs> You finished with negative seven points. I finished with negative 15. Oh. However, in the second game against Tennessee, you had negative 21. So you finished with a total of negative 28 points. Oh, I
3: totally misread that.
0: I had 31 points in the second game, which got me a positive 16. I thought I I had 28 points positively. Nope. Unfortunately, you did not. Either way, you would have won, even if it was, oh, well, 28 positively. Yeah, you would. But no, uh, you did not win. So. (laughs) I won twice. I am now five and three. You are now three and five. No 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 no. It's now three and three. Right? No. <laughs> are you gonna do this all season? I'll give up eventually, but it's a fun bit. I'll keep it going for now. All right. Well I have the first pick this time. I am gonna stray no further than one Hunter Dickinson. Uh should put up, I don't know, like sixteen and eight easily, if yeah. not twenty and ten. Yeah. Boom. Yeah, Dewan Harris,
3: to your point, negative thirteen and negative twelve points in the two games. Uh, in the Maui Invitational. I'm going Kevin McCuller. I probably would have gone Kevin McCuller anyways, but DeWan with negative... Big, well, you do have another two, pick. Two big negative games.
0: Are you going to take...
3: Oh, I, I have another pick. Yeah, yeah, pick. You're right. Oh, crap, man. <laughs> uh, But see, KJ Adams was somehow worse. Give me DeWan Harris. Okay, DeWan Harris. Dewan Harris minus 25 for both games, but KJ was minus 26. That's I'm going to go
0: KJ Adams. Uh, KJ is going to get a huge ovation tonight, uh, given everything that's happened yeah. off the court with him and yeah. uh, with the crowd. That that'll be really cool to see. That's true. Uh, then I'm going to go Parker Brown. I love Parker Brown in these games. That they're going to blow out the opponent. He might get 15 mm. minutes. Mm. Might put up 10 points, eight points on easy dunks, four or five rebounds. Parker Brown. Uh, first of all, how many, how many? How many? How many are we taking here?
3: Five. Uh, each? We are take sure five each. Five each. Okay. I will go with Johnny Furphy. Okay. And then. I will go with
0: Jamari McDowell. Okay. Johnny Furphy and Jamari McDowell. What's picks. Um, I am going to go on Marco Jackson here. He, yeah. at least, like, in some of these games, put up, like, 8 points, 8 assists. See, I was torn like on picking on Marco,
3: but I I decided to pass.
0: And then with my last pick, I will take Michael Jankovic and hope that he comes in and hits three or two tonight. You know, that's a that could be a risky pick. Could be. Because if he misses. Yes. He could play four minutes and score <laughs> zero points, you know? All right, now, do I dare
3: take Nick Timberlake? Do I dare? Do I do it? You know what? I think you should. For the vibes, I'm doing it. Nick Timberlake, he shares my name. I got to trust him. He got the same name. Got, a ride. That is one got one to ride. want to support fellow people named Nick. All right. even so though his know. Even though
0: his name is spelled weird. All right, real quick, let's do game picks, basketball. Uh, You're 10 and 4. I'm 11 and 3. It is KU minus 39 points now. I'll go with Eastern Illinois. (laughs) Too many points? Well, I got burned by Chaminade. I'm going to go Eastern Illinois as well. They play a bit of a slower tempo, so 39 could be too much. KU could win 85 to 50, and you're not covering. The over under is 142.5. To your point on the
3: slower tempo, I'm going to lean under because I do think this feels like a game where it could be 80 to 50 or something like that. I'll I'll go under.
0: I'm going to lean over. If we get 90 to 60, that's well over by a good amount. 85 to 50, like I said, would be under, but not by a ton. I think there can be more points than that. So uh, I'll I'll take the over on that. Do you have a favorite prop? I don't know if you've gotten a chance to peruse.
3: Yeah, so you had mentioned to me Hunter Dickinson – rebounds
0: was tw- 12 and over a half under twelve and a half the under is actually minus 105 Gosh, I mean I a lot of like, rebounds
3: I feel like that's crazy
0: <laughs> I don't know how much he, he could play 24 it's minutes
3: to today, the under. You know? yeah yeah I don't know um I'm gonna go I'm gonna go Dewan assists. I like it's over assist. six and a half I like that okay I think he's gonna be I think he, this is gonna be this is gonna be going back to Dewan early in the season where he was like I'll shoot when I have to I think he's just gonna be pass 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 rack up the assists. Okay,
0: I am going to go Hunter Dickinson with the under 12.5 rebounds. When you look at some of these games against the teams like the North Carolina Central's and the Manhattans of the world, um, those have been games that he's only played 22, 24, 25 minutes per game. Against NC Central, 8 rebounds. Against Manhattan, 8 rebounds. So, like, against Chaminade, 11 rebounds. So, in the games that um, they're going to dominate, he's not going to play as many minutes. He doesn't need to get as many rebounds. I I don't think he'll get 13. So, under 12.5. It's it's
3: possible he might not have tri-mode on
0: Yeah, that too. So all right. Uh he's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Doc Sports Talk on at KLWN. Bill Self Audio. Next. Well, that's it. If you're listening on our podcast side, thanks for tuning in. Please give us a positive review if your platform allows you to do so. As you can find the show anywhere, you get your podcasts with the best of RCST podcast. If you do have any questions for the show, whether it's for a mailbag, just something you think that'd be fun to talk about, you can reach out to us on our Twitter page at RCST1320. You can also email us at if you don't have Twitter, rcst1320am at gmail.com. That's rcst1320am at gmail.com. And if you want to listen live, 3 to 6 p.m. Central Time, Monday through Friday on KLWN, klwn.com, and the KLWN app. Have a good rest of the day and see you next podcast.